welcome again to Worldview Matters. This is Ross, and I have with me Bob. Bob, I hope you're doing well. Good to talk with you again, my friend. I'm doing great, Ross. It's Valentine's Day, the day that we're recording this, and I know you and I, who have been married many years, are excited about uh, giving our sweethearts a hug sometime during the day today. Well, if we haven't been doing it up to now, it will not do any good to go home and do it today. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, it is Valentine's Day. I'm not sure that I understand the origin of Valentine's Day as to, but anyhow, I do know that it's a a very important in the lives of, of women. So I guess I'll be duly chastised if I do not go home with some. Matter of fact, I, as a matter of fact, I had a dozen roses last night for my wife, so I'm ahead of the game. <laughs> Bob, I got a couple of questions. We we left off last time. We talked for two weeks now about the second coming, the end of the world, and signs of that second coming. I've noticed a lot of things recently about other worldviews, Scientology being one of them, but I thought you might speak to us about what you see happening from a worldview standpoint on a more broad basis. Do you see things of that nature that are pointing toward the end of the world, the second coming? Well, I think that's a great question with a great observation attached to it, Ross, because as we talked about in one of our former shows, one of the one of the characteristics of the end times is going to be the emergence of a person called the Antichrist. Well, I, I use him as a, the Antichrist with a capital A, as opposed to all the other Antichrists that have been revealed throughout history. I call those Antichrists with a small case A. But one of the things that that Antichrist is going to do is he's going to be the federal head of probably a nation-state with great military power, but he's also going to be simultaneously the federal head of a worldwide religious movement, and he's going to proclaim himself to be the highest order, uh, the god of all gods, the highest uh, 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 purveyor of revelation, of that particular religious order, and I have to tell you, I do. I have done some thinking and uh, reading about that, and it's interesting that you mentioned Scientology because I think that Scientology is probably one of several sort of uh, rivers uh, that are going to flow together, and maybe already are flowing together to form part of this comprehensive trans-global movement, uh, which I believe is part of the new age manifestation that we're seeing today. What it's going to do, Ross, is it's going to join Western rationalism and the Western culture that we have in in front of us as born out of uh, uh, a bibliocentric worldview with Eastern mysticism, Buddhism, and Hinduism, and they're going to be syncretized and probably even elements of Judaism and Islam are going to be forged into that. So you've got this amalgamation of all these different world religions under this one roof, this one umbrella, that probably Christ is going to be the federal head of. Before we get into, I think that's exactly where we would like to go with this, but before you get into mysticism and, and the Eastern mysticism and this blending, this 
a vegetable soup, so to speak, that will uh, that will be an indication of the manifestation of what we're talking about here. Will will there be a in your opinion, a build-up, a lead-up to where there is one person that begins to emerge and it looks like that he might be the Antichrist, or will it be someone who just comes right out of the blue? Will there be a period of time when it looks like that that's happening, a lead-up to? Well, I think I think the word lead-up is probably a good descriptor because in the scriptures, it talks about these days as being like a woman who's in birth pains. Yeah, you, you know how that is. You've got kids just like I do. Remember those nights when we were driving to the hospital at 75 miles an hour with, uh, you know, the contractions three minutes apart? Boy, I sure do. Right. But, like, so it, the, the baby doesn't come at the first birth pain or the second or the third. There, there is a build-up, as you would say, a lead-up. And, and you mentioned the Church of Scientology. You know, the Church of Scientology didn't really exist until the early 1950s. And if you go back and look at some of the things that this particular church, this religious movement teaches, you see a lot of the same doctrines, if I can use that word, the same doctrines, the same teachings in a lot of other religions at the same time. And it looks to me like there's going to be a forging together or a forming together of all these various religions under one broad rubric, this broad umbrella. That's kind of, They're all going to find a home there. Well, reincarnation seems to be at the core of all, most all of the religious worldviews that you would say come under the heading of mysticism, right? Oh, you're exactly right. In fact, uh, the the Church of Scientology does teach a form of reincarnation, and uh, and that's just one. Of course, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, a lot of the New Age proponents uh, are looking for. Of course, uh, you know the person that we're all most familiar with probably Shirley MacLaine. She supposedly has had about you know a million past lives. Right. And uh, so. You know, but we're seeing right now it's almost a very, it's an amorphous mix of all these various things. But I think what we're going to see is a more and more coalescing, Ross, as the doctrines get formed more clearly, as the cultures of East and West mix, as the media begins to clarify what these messages are. We're going to see a lot of that becoming clearer and clearer. Are we in the days of the end? I don't know. But I think that we are going to see an acceleration of these things as we move forward. So there's there's going to be some indication, although uh, as believers we will not necessarily say, hey, it's very clear that this is the Antichrist. He just hasn't shown himself to the rest of the world. But we do see that he is the one. Is that accurate? I think you're right. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more and more of an anesthetizing to some of these these Eastern influences. That's already happening in American culture. So we're not quite as shocked when we hear about avatars or we hear about astral projection or we hear about spirit guides. You know, back in the early 60s, you know, when you and I were growing up, You'd say things like that, and people would go, my goodness, you've lost your mind. Well, that's common everyday language now. And and the, the other thing that's happening is there's a legitimizing of these things. You mentioned the Church of Scientology. 
I've gotten three mailings from from this church in the in the last uh, three or four months, and the topics that they discuss are not only pretty benign. They're all things that you and I would go and everybody in the world would go, yeah, we want those things too. One of their mailings was on creating a drug-free world. You know, I know I know people who have struggled with drug addiction, and it would be wonderful if they could get free from that. Another one of their campaigns is on achieving literacy in education. I mean, which one of us doesn't want to see uh, the, uh, the educational level of, of all humans on the planet elevated. And then there's one called Making Human Rights a Global Reality. And Ross, you and I have talked many times about how in some of the countries where we've traveled, that human rights is a is a real basic issue, that people don't have human rights. So, But Scientology, uh, in some ways, presents itself as a, as a very moralistic, humanistic, uh, even Christian. They even have a cross as their symbol. But if you go back and look at their doctrines, it's laced with reincarnation, laced with all kinds of, of spirit manifestations. Even ancient aliens are part of their right. you want Exactly. To yeah. Interesting. You've got this uh, anesthetizing element going on and this legitimizing element going on until finally what we're going to see is that the whole world is going to look at this emerging leader that's come, going to come out of this amalgamation as being a very beneficent, wonderful, uh, powerful, someone that we look to almost, if not as a slave of human ills and the problems of the world. Do you think that the Antichrist will come out of one of these um, abhorrent worldviews as a from a Christ, a leader, so to speak, of that particular sect or movement, or will it be a political figure? Well, I think it's it's possible that he may be a mixture of both. And, and here again, I, just for our listeners' benefit, anything that I say about this now is my own personal opinion, and it's, and it's always uh, subject to uh, to error and to my own slant on things. But you know, you and I have talked in past shows about the the evolution, if I can call it that, or the development, the transition of worldviews in Western societies. Um, up until about 300 years ago, Christian theism was the dominant worldview. Uh, God was transcendent. Uh, he was and, and eminent. He was the creator God in, in the whole world, basically. If you went to any, in, 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 I'm talking about in Western culture, European culture, uh, early American culture. If you went into any of those of those places, any of those villages, you'd see the cathedral as being the center construct of the entire life of that village or that town, and everybody would hold a theistic worldview. And you and I have talked about the fact that that has changed from a theistic worldview. Uh, in the founding of the American colonies, to more of a deistic worldview. And this was a result of the rising empirical movement in Europe. Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. The basis of all reason and, and knowledge and of what is real is forged around the idea that mankind, man is a thinking animal. And our reason and our rationality enables us to figure out everything that's going on around us. 
And so as a result of that empirical influence, theism moved into more of a deistic worldview. And I'm not going to bore our readers by going back and, and unpacking all of these using the eight questions that we've talked about in the, in the past. But, but then deism, uh, and deism basically was God wound the world up, but then he went off somewhere. He went to a, another universe or another dimension, and he left mankind basically to figure out, and if you want to make an argument, to rule the cosmos. Well, that was only one step away from naturalism, where if God's so far off, maybe he's not there at all. And the only thing that we have around us is what we can see. Uh, That's where uh, materialism, naturalism evolved from. But the problem with naturalism, Ross, as we talked about it, is it leads ultimately to hopelessness. It leads to nihilism. Suddenly, doesn't have a special place in the universe anymore. He can't claim to be made in God's image, uh, and so, but he, he just he just has evolved from lower life forms. What's to say that you know clams on another planet aren't more significant than mankind is on Earth? And so, you get the idea: is what right does man have to say that he's special? And it sort of cuts the legs out from under hope. And I. You know, that question comes up a lot, but even Christians ask uh, themselves or ask others, uh, is there life on any other planet? And what are we to say about, what's the Christian perspective about that? Is there life on another planet? If there were life on another planet, what would it do to our perception or the reality of God? So... That's a great thought, and it's, that, that's being debated in, in all kinds of circles today, from scientific to metaphysics to philosophy to socialism to, uh, you know, you turn on the, on the nightly news or you turn on the nightly talk shows or you turn on the reality shows, and somebody's got some kind of a spin about what's going on out beyond the solar system. And, and the answer is we don't know that. If there is life out there, uh, God has not revealed that to us in the scriptures. He just hasn't. What we can know, though, is that life on earth, according to the scriptures, is incredibly profound and significant from the king point of the, of the kingdom of heaven because God placed man here on this planet and made us in his image. So you, my, you know, my view and what I have said to people, it, it really doesn't matter to me whether there is or whether there isn't. If I found that there were, it wouldn't change my perspective of God whatsoever. If I found out that there weren't, it wouldn't change my perspective. The real issue is who is God and who is God in your life? Is God real? Is there absolute truth? Those are the issues and those other things are peripheral issues. Well, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that, that in one sense, it wouldn't matter. In another sense, we probably will never know because any inhabitable world that could be out there is so far distant using even traveling at the speed of light or approaching the speed of light. They couldn't arrive and tell us about themselves, nor could we get to them in, in enough time to make a meaningful contact unless technologies and space travel is accelerated in some kind of a phenomenal way. But here's what's interesting to me, is in this new emerging new age movement, there is an allowance 
for beings, but not just from other planets, but possibly from other dimensions, dimensions that are parallel to ours, that don't require space travel. They just require astral projections. We can find out about those other dimensions by stepping outside of ourselves and moving into a plane that's far above the physical world in which we live. And Ross, that's fantastic. That That is a worldview. It, 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 it may be a worldview that a lot of our listeners thinks, think, no, that's just science fiction or that's just fantasy literature. But so many of the things that are now emerging as part of this cogent new age religion, and I'll use that term, really are fantastic in nature. Mm, interesting. Well, now, what do you include in Eastern mysticism in this blend of things of which Scientology is a part? Scientology is not the capital or the, the over arching part of it. It is part of this blending of Eastern mysticism into a number of different religions, right? It really is. And the thing, the thing that I want our listeners to understand is that there's been a, a merging of, two, uh, of the two parts of the planet. Western rationalism and theism is now being joined with Eastern mysticism, and I'll use the term monism, which basically is the idea that the universe is one. We're all we're all one with it, and it's part of us. Uh, so a lot of the pantheistic religions and the animistic religions had that also as a base, but it's part of a worldview. But what's happening in the West right now is there's the merging of this Eastern mysticism, this pantheism, this monism. There's a merging of that worldview or that combination of worldviews with eat with Western rationalism and empiricism and some of the vestiges of old biblical Christianity still hanging on more as traditions than as a real commitment to a biblical worldview. You know, I've, I've had some discussions with some, some people who will say that when you talk about absolute truth, that is a rational worldview that comes from the West. The Eastern worldview is such that or holds to the belief that there is no absolute. I mean, there, everything is relative, and to look at things from an absolute or a relative standpoint is purely Western thinking. And so they will dismiss that as being non, not the way you look at things. Well, you're exactly things. I think that's a fair summary of Eastern mysticism. Uh, you know, the, the idea of, of something being real in front of you is relative uh, to your per, per, uh, specific or particular perception of what you're looking at. And so, you know, most Westerners still aren't real well-versed in Eastern mysticism, uh, pantheism. And some of the Eastern mystical religions are Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, some forms of Confucianism, uh, t Tibetan, uh, the, the Tibetan high religions of the mountains of Tibet. All of those are different brands of this same idea of monism. And what I mean by that is that all things are one. So don't think monotheism, God is one. Think monism, all things are one. There really is no supreme being. There's just simply the cosmos. In fact, to quote 
Buddhist or Hinduist uh, lore, Atman is Brahman. Atman is our human soul. It's, it's the only sense of self that we might have. Brahman is more the idea of the universal soul. Now, you may, some of our listeners may recognize that this is not new thinking to the West. I mean, if anybody's ever seen the, the Star Wars movies by George Lucas, you realize that the Force is with us, isn't it? And the Force yeah. is this oneness that's full, that fills the whole universe. It's good nor bad. There's a dark side to it and a light side to it, but ultimately it just all is part of this one great you know, our listeners uh, probably have heard of Ravi Zacharias. He's considered to be one of the world's uh, foremost Christian apologists. And I heard him speaking one time. He was telling about, I think he was at a Harvard Veritas forum, and there was a person who professed an Eastern mysticism religion. And he said, he asked Ravi a question. He said, how do I know that I even exist and Ravi paused for a second and said, might I ask who it is that's asking this question? And the crowd, the crowd obviously saw the, the error in the way of the questioner, and uh, the whole crowd brought, broke up in laughter. But I thought that was a good way of approaching that particular question. Well, but from Eastern perspective, it's really no laughing matter. I mean, there really is a sense that we don't, we, at one point we cease to exist as individuals, yeah, Ross. I, I like. I've heard that story about Robbie too, and it's it really is kind of kind of uh, humorous. But from an Eastern perspective, uh, the idea of oneness uh, or of, of singleness is uh, it's hard to get your arms around because ultimately we all are part of this big oneness. This idea that. Everything is one together. The tree is part of me. I'm part of the bookcase. The bookcase is part of the sky, etc., etc. And so when we die, we just go back into the great cosmos, the great Brahman. And um, what that does is it that mitigates against a lot of Western thought. Because in Western thought, we're taught both from the scripture and even from Rene Descartes that the self is autonomous. We are important. There is a sense of self that's a part of the world, and we don't ultimately, we're not all connected together. Uh, but as Eastern mysticism and Eastern pantheism, monism, begins to encroach in Western civilization, we're going to see more and more of a synthesis of that. R Ross, one of the things that is amazing. And I think, you know, we're getting, we started talking about the Antichrist. I think one of the things that's going to be amazing about this new emerging world religion is it's going to allow for a cosmic unity that Eastern religions to, but it's also going to allow for the autonomous self of Western civilization also to be manifested. And that is amazing to me, how these two different world systems can be blended together. They're not blended together easily, but if you understand New Age theology, New Age philosophy, you can see that 
New Agers are hoping for, uh, remember the old song, it's the dawning of the age of Aquarius? Yep. Well, New Agers are hoping for, looking for the dawning of a brand new humanity, a humanity with hope, a humanity that's led by people who have been enlightened to what's going on in the world around us, have been able to figure out all the different degrees of this cosmic consciousness and not only become one with the universe, and this is what's really amazing, you go from not just knowing there is a oneness and then becoming one, that's what Eastern religion teaches. Let's look at, this is very interesting, let's look at this from a pedestrian standpoint. If you're standing out there and you're looking at different worldviews, you look at the Christian worldview, and the Christian worldview says that there is a coming Armageddon when there's going to be a battle in the heavenlies. And if you are not a believer, you will be damned to hell. And if you are a believer, you will go to be with Christ and God, and you, you will live forever in, in heaven. And then you look on the other side, and you see an Eastern mysticism. You see the, the blending of all these different worldviews, and you see something that says the age of Aquarius is dawning, and everything is going to get better, and man is increasing his knowledge, and man is getting better, and, and everything is moving upward. You, you can see how the Eastern mysticism could be a magnet that would draw people in to this to this abomination or to this devious look at the world because that is that is exchanging truth for a lie. But you can see how if painted properly and the things that you we're talking about we see from Scientology where they want to deal with literacy and they want to elevate the human soul and the human mind. You can see how that would be a magnet that would draw people in. Oh, absolutely. In fact, it is the magnet. And here's, what, here's, the, here's the selling point, that we can have all that and not be accountable to a creator God. Exactly. In essence, we become gods. Right. That's what's distinct about the New Age movement. I was going to mention this a minute ago, but in Eastern mysticism, there's sort of two degrees of awareness that you have to come to. One is that all things are one. You sort of begin to realize, I'm part of the cosmos. The second stage of awareness, though, for Eastern mysticism is, I'm not just aware that there's all things being one. I'm part of that. I'm one with the cosmos. And that's really what all the, all the, the Hindu guides, the, the Buddhist guides, the, the Dalai Lama, that's what they want to help people come to realize, that you, the, the universe is one and you are a part of it. But the New Age movement wants to take it one step further. And this is what is so amazing to me. It's not just that we're uh, going to be uh, aware of or uh, at one with, but we're able to go beyond this oneness and actually begin to control and manipulate the cosmos. In a sense, Ross, we become gods. Now, as a Christian, what does that sound like to you? When, when someone comes along and says, 
You're not going to die. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to gain all this insight, and you're going to become a god yourself. Do you remember where that where that little uh, that montage was worked out? Yeah, that was Satan himself. Back in the garden. It's yeah. the same lie. But here's what's happened. This is now couched in, uh, clothed in uh, science and technology and socialism theory and even economic theory. Almost all the disciplines of a university now have some kind of a new age within them. You know, there's an insidious thing that's very at the core of this issue of truth and absolute and relative truth, because if you say that truth is relative and that you determine what truth is, you, in effect, are setting yourself up as God. You make the determination yourself. So that is at the very, very core of all of these lies about Eastern mysticism. It is, and the thing that we have to remember, and this is where the lens of Scripture helps us, that the Bible calls all of this New Age mysticism, and I'll, I'll call it doctrine, because it is a doctrine. The Bible calls this the doctrine of demons. Uh, there are going to be amazing, wondrous signs that the Antichrist and his false prophet and all of his initiates are going to be able to perform. They're going to be able to do this. They're going to be able to, to manipulate the universe in some amazing way. Of course, you and I know it's not going to be mankind or the human mind or even the mind at large doing that. It's going to be the counterfeit miracles of a fallen angelic realm that Satan is the head of. But I want you to understand something, Ross. These people believe that that is possible that the mind at large, this great cosmic unified mind that we're all trying to become a part of, if you're a New Age follower, allows for physical healing, astral projection, time travel, extraterrestrial travel, transdimensional travel. So all the thing about UFOs, those don't have to come from a planet that's 40 light years away. They can just come from a parallel dimension. Did you see the latest uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark series? The whole no, no, I haven't. As a matter of fact, I haven't seen any of them. Well, if our listeners have seen the last one, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, those beings don't originate from another planet. They originate from a parallel dimension. And they're very real. And... Look at the movie. They're very powerful. And, um, but that's where we are, Ross. That's this new emerging religion that's not Eastern and it's not Western. It's a blend of both. Bob, that's probably a good place for us to stop. Uh, hopefully the listeners um, are able to, to assimilate this. It's kind of hard because we do see this blending and we're seeing... The, the religions of Eastern mysticism under that big umbrella emerge and they're emerging and they have an outward beauty to them. They have hope 
to some degree in a world where there is little hope, or at least they project that hope. The problem, as you said, is there's, there's no accountability to truth and to the Creator God. So that's a great place for us to stop, and we'll continue this particular series next week. We'll talk a little more deeply about Scientology and some of the other uh, religions that are found in this large umbrella of blending of Eastern mysticism with with Western worldview, which makes it all that more insidious. So thank you so much, Bob, for a great, great time and a great instruction for all of us. I'd like to encourage our listeners to go and listen to some of the new shows, some of the other shows that are available on Big Brains Media. And we have another one, a brand new one called Undone Redone. And this is a couple, man and his wife, who have been through very difficult times from a marital standpoint and have come out, emerged victorious on the other end. So it has a tremendous, uh, tremendous opportunity for people to listen to, to something where someone has, has won out in this battle. I think anyone who's been married knows that there are difficult times in any marriage. If you... If you say that you've never had, if you've been married over a decade and you say you haven't had problems in your marriage, I wonder what else you'll lie about. So this is a, a good show for that. We also have a number of different football shows. We have Just Talking It Up. Uh, there, there's so many things on Big Brains Media. We encourage you to go to that website and you'll see some of the other shows and they'll be available on iTunes, available directly off the website. So thanks to JP and James Spann for all that they have done to make these shows possible. Great being with you, Bob, as always. And we hope you will come back and be with us again next week. Thanks, Ross. Don't forget Valentine's Day. Amen. Bye now. This has been Worldview Matters, brought to you by Big Brains Media. To leave feedback for Ross or Bob, visit us at www.bigbrainsmedia.com.